Welcome to the Leaders of Learning podcast. I'm your host, Ling Ling. Before we begin this episode, I've got a couple of great news to share. The first mammoth news is that the Leaders of Learning has surpassed half a million downloads in over 150 countries earlier this month. I hope that the show has given some comfort and some learnings as we are all going through these unprecedented times. As Michelle Obama once said, the only limit to the height of your achievements is the reach of your dreams and your willingness to work for them. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for journeying with this humble show of 50 over episodes for the past two and a half years. The second great news is that I finally decided to start my very own blog. It took about a year of contemplation and self-doubt before COVID-19 helped me to reprioritize things in life. When you're available, head over to linglingtai.com, that is L-I-N-G-L-I-N-G-T-A-I.com. Just to give you a heads up, the website might seem a little bare because it's a work in progress. So sign up to the mailing list and receive updates directly into your inbox. Now that we've got all the great news out of the way, let's get on with the show. Season 5 has seen a wide range of experts sharing their knowledge across a wide spectrum of topics, from the Industrial Revolution to Harnessing Conflict, from Managing Money to Sustainable Development. Broadly, Season 5 looked at professional development, as well as how we operate in society at large. In this episode, we'll share with you the most memorable moments within these two broad themes. Being self-aware means knowing what you like or dislike, knowing your strengths and weaknesses, understanding how your thoughts, behaviors impact the people around you. It is the key ingredient to becoming a better version of ourselves. We spoke to experts on various aspects of personal and professional development, such as careers, our online presence, and even synchronicity. In the next five snippets, we will hear about what we can do to improve ourselves personally and professionally. First, we will hear from Chi Zi Yen, a certified master coach and career coach, who spoke to us about an interesting yet common misconception when it comes to career development. One of the worst advice I've heard is follow your passion. Follow your passion is one of the worst advice because if you're interested in space, but there's no space program in Singapore, then that's, that's not going to help. So, so to some extent, you want to follow your interests. And we do have multiple interests. We could be interested in a variety of things. But I feel that people should and, and one should consider the realities on the marketplace. So you want to 
look at whether or not there's a demand, whether there's a growth potential, whether or not it makes economic sense, whether there's growth. And sometimes when you follow your passions, right, the moment your passion becomes a discipline, it becomes work, then it's not fun anymore. And then it can be very difficult. So I can imagine it sounds easy saying it, but I want to just put a caveat to it, right? That to a large extent, a decision like that has to be are considered from multiple variables. You want to consider it from a few viewpoints and not just from, oh, okay, being bullheaded about like absolutely just following in that one direction. I mean, it works for some people, again, just to uh, manage the statement. I don't, I don't want to offend anyone. But in general, following your interests is great if you would also then put a layer of reality over it and to consider the marketplace, whether or not it makes business sense, whether it's rational, whether you see a growth potential, whether the runway for this career has an end or does it branch off into other things that it give you options. So that's one of the, uh, one of the advice, one of the misconceptions. Sometimes the universe sends us messages to give or affirm our direction in life. Here, Dr. Philip Mary, a renowned trainer, speaker, and coach, explains how synchronicity works and how we are intuitively using it in our lives. Now we need to talk about quantum physics. Because Newtonian physics told us that we are separate that matter is separate from other matter. And so we began to lose that notion that there was a spirit or that religion had any validity. Quantum physics of the last century and this century has introduced us to what we call quantum entanglement, which means that human beings are energy, magnetic energy, and that a very tiny part of us is matter and that the energetic part of us, electric, electronic magnetic fields, are much bigger than the physical body. And so it means that whether we understand it or not, like you and I are energetically connected right at this moment. And if we wanted to, we could begin to sense each other's thoughts and moods. I mean, I'm sure your listeners and you will have had the experience of going into a room and you could feel the atmosphere. That's because the energy of what went on in that room is still there. So when you say, can leaders, obviously it's good if leaders can use this to their benefit, but they need to be able to, first of all, have a sense that there's some validity in the thought. Number one. So it begins with a choice in your mind of there's more than just logic. We are more than just facts and matter. We actually have an energetic ability too. And once you begin to believe that or look at the logic of it from a scientific perspective, and then you look around and you look through your day and you notice the various projects that you're on, some are successful and some are not. And the decisions that you have to make, if you use your logic only, you will know as a leader that doesn't always lead to the right solution. Every leader that I talk to has had the experience of interviewing somebody 
who had everything in their CV. And they will say to me, but it just didn't feel right to hire them. That's when they're using their intuition. Having a strong and authentic online presence can help build your credibility and share about the very things that are most important to you. Janicia Alora, former Miss Singapore and founder of Soul Rich Women, talks to us about what it means to be authentic online and the challenges that comes along with it. First of all, let's qualify this word called authenticity. All right? Authenticity online to me simply means presenting your best voice online. So what is a voice? Now, a voice is your message. And what is a message? A message, it could be your mess or your disasters or the things that you've gone through before, your ups and downs, your failures, your successes. And then you share these nuggets or lessons on the online space, whether it's LinkedIn or is it Facebook or your website or your blog or whatever the case may be. Be. Most importantly, use that voice to share your message, your passion, your purpose, your mission, that piece. Usually when women or people, when they tell me, oh, I, I don't know how to be authentic online. I don't know what I should be posting online. Usually they'll tell me, oh, you know, my friend posted this, my colleague posted this, my partner posted this, and they feel peer pressure to post as well. Hey, you are being you. You don't need to feel that peer pressure to post because someone else posted of the same thing, of that one thing. There's no need to do that. Ask yourself, is it okay for you to be open and be willing to share one thing every single day? Treat it like an online diary or journal or something that you can express yourself. And when you are out there being um, authentic, I mean, that, that word is big, right? Your, your mental blo is blocking. It's like, what should I be doing? So just take one step, one step only and said, can you share a mess that turned into a message, right? Can you share a piece that you feel really proud of that what you've done today or what you said to someone today that you did with your child or did it with your family or your colleague, right? So share that one thing. Conflict is inevitable, but it doesn't mean we cannot harness its benefits. Soreen Singh, a professional speaker and executive coach, shares with us the benefits of having more conflict in our lives. Yeah, I mean, I feel they should encourage more uh, conflict because if you don't encourage, it still exists. So that emotionality, that disagreement still exists. And instead of being aired out, it festers and it then may turn into resentment and to disengagement of the employee. Um, so it's there anyway, you might as well bring it out and air it out. Um, and actually airing it out has a couple of advantages. The first is because people are allowed to truly say, you know, how they feel and truly, you know, say something that they, they care about, you know, then that actually makes them more engaged and more passionate about the topic at hand. That's the first thing. Secondly is that when you see different sides of the thing, you actually make a better decision. And at the end of it, you may have a better outcome. Because not disagreeing to something can mean that you only see one side and you are susceptible to groupthink. Um, yeah. And the third thing is quite simply that any conflict is energy. I mean, most of us 
complain about oh we are so tired we are so tired you know we we work we are so tired we go to home we are so tired that's because if we are spending a lot of our energy suppressing negative emotions that is a lot of energy set from us whereas if we bring it out we fight about it and we have a good fight of course we actually feel more energized and we get that energy back while money is important to fulfill our daily needs Anupam Gupta, podcast host of Paisa Vaisa, argues that money is merely a means to an end. Here is what he has to say. Yeah, I think that we need to look at money as just one part of our lives. So I think that is the way I think that's one learning that I've had from my show over the years that money is just it's just a means towards an end. So I think once we accept that our life is much more than just earning money it could be about leading a fulfilled life it could be about doing work that you enjoy being with your friends and family and maybe taking out some time to exercise in a day mental health physical health all of that and money is just one part of that as compared to driving yourself really hard and saying no i want this and i want that and i want this and i want that and keeping yourself you know very focused on the material aspects of life maybe for some of us that is a reason that drives us and that's fine but i'm just saying that the way that i look at this and i feel that we should accept money as a means to an end and our life is actually you know more than than just that for example maybe we love to do a certain thing and if we get really good at it you know we actually get a good job and we do well in life and then we earn money as compared to saying that i want to make a million dollars now how will i do it so I don't know you know what what would motivate me would be that okay I have a business idea and let me do that because I love doing this it could be serving the poor it could be setting up a company that looks at a certain underprivileged class or it could just be an idea that nobody's thought about and I work on that and I really enjoy it and that then puts me on a path where I earn the money so I think that the one way of looking at money would just be what i feel is a narrow way now i don't want to call it a right or wrong maybe for some people that motivates them and i don't want to be i don't want to judge them for that but i'm just saying that maybe you want to look at life as a whole and think of money as a means to an end each person lives and works within a community as they say no man is an island our behaviors habits and daily decisions have an impact on society Likewise, when society changes, it will impact our lives too. Where is the world going? How does it impact us? And what can we do about it? In the next 5 snippets, we will hear from experts about the changes that are happening in our society and what we can do to embrace it. We are in the fourth industrial revolution and it influences the way we live and work whether we like it or not. Kotatsuan, an entrepreneur and CEO of Origin, speaks to us about how the fourth industrial revolution will impact us all. The founder and executive chairman of the World Economic Forum Group that the fourth industrial revolution will fundamentally alter the way we live the way we work and also relate to one another now a 
quick recap of the past industrial revolutions will provide some clarity here. Now, as we can remember, the first industrial revolution used water and steam to power and mechanize production. And the second industrial revolution utilized electric power to create mass production. And the third revolution used electronics and information technology to automate production. Now, some might argue the fact that uh, then fourth industrial revolution is a prolongation of the third industrial revolution. The fourth industrial revolution really is uh, a wave of digital transformation that is categorized, categorized by a range of new technologies that are fusing physical, digital, as well as biological worlds. There are three aspects of it. One is its velocity, its scope, as well as the extent of system impact. So on the issue of velocity, I think the rate at which current breakthroughs are happening has no historical precedent. When compared with previous revolution, the fourth is evolving at an exponential rather than a linear pace. And in regards to the scope, I think the fourth is also disrupting almost every industry in every country at varying stages of development, whether you are a country which is developing or even a developed country. So what this means for the everyday workers is that no one will be spared from the challenges faced, of the danger of suffering from a skills gap and being made irrelevant if you are not careful. Because uh, each country will have their own uh, development plan. Right. So obviously, trying to catch up or trying to introduce new business uh, model and technology would obviously impact in their own context as well. Uh, fourth industrial revolution, the depth and the breadth of these changes will herald the transformation of the entire system of production, management, as well as governance. Besides the public policy, even the private sector will have to see what's the best way to collaborate and work with the public sector as well. In fact, as the current landscape, you know that uh, there are billions of people connected by mobile devices and the internet. Obviously, the access to knowledge, the processing power and so on will impact a large community. And precisely because of that, the fourth industrial revolution has this kind of impactful, widespread impact on uh, people as well as the businesses. But at the same time, of course, it's not all the scary about the uh, fourth industrial revolution. It does bring about profits. Uh, it does bring about you know potential to raise global income area. At the same time, it also improve productivity, the quality of people. But the idea behind this is that uh, at the end of the day, if we are prepared and we are ready for that impending change, and uh, obviously then you benefit and reap the benefits of the fourth industrial. More than ever, we are able to harness technology and revolutionize entire industries. Kay Vasey, the Chief Connecting Officer of MeshMinds, spoke about how virtual reality and augmented reality enables greater learning in the healthcare industry. Photography is still an art form, okay? 
And for example, in uh, the medical industry, what they're now doing is they're using photogrammetry, which is nothing more than stitching photos together. So imagine you kind of your grandma's there <laughs> with her sewing kit and she's got thousands of photos to stitch together. But when she's done that, she has an enormous quilt that when you are, um, when you kind of put it together in a particular form, creates this 3D world. Now, what we're actually doing in medicine is using that photogrammetry technique to scan people's bodies, and we can actually look inside them. So what doctors are doing now are performing virtual operations, right? So from photography all the way to being able to have a virtual human on an operating table and going through the motions of knowing exactly where to put your first scalpel cut, where to cut around the second, where then you're going to have to end and sew everything up. And that technology is allowing operations to become so much more successful because, I mean, the human body is really complex. So having just that ability to have a quick run through of what you're doing is enormously helpful to doctors, you know. So I guess, yeah, it kind of depends on your definition of art you know so um and and then kind of that in industrial you know application i think what we're finding a lot is the kind of virtual reality and augmented reality are really revolutionizing the way that um things are the way that think the way that things are kind of um the way that human beings are trained uh, to do certain things Technology has tremendously altered our landscapes and environments. Businesses and industries are racing to create a more sustainable world. Marcy Trent Long, podcast host for Sustainable Asia, speaks to us about what we all can do to cultivate a more sustainable world and how current technology trends can help accelerate that. So it's easy with individuals. It's just as we said, the important thing is little steps. Just change your daily life just a little bit. Maybe recycle a couple things more. Maybe don't drink as many plastic water bottles. Maybe buy sustainable seafood. And if we all do just a few small things like that, it makes a really big difference, you know, cumulatively in the world. But I'll also mention another thing for kind of maybe some of the company corporate people in your audience, and that's supply chain technology is really changing the way we consume. So our next season, actually, we're going to be looking at, it's called the plastic for smile, and it's how we get the plastic water bottle from your hand to the recycling facility, which is the hardest part in Asia and in a lot of cases in the world. But the point being there that now they're even looking at putting kind of a little QR code kind of thing on a plastic water bottle. So Coca-Cola can trace the water bottle and know how many of their uh, plastic bottles are actually getting to recycling centers. Or other supply chain technology is being used, certainly in, in terms of informatics, where people are able to trace down to almost, you know, the bean of where a coffee bean came from. So the next leap forward is really going to be about that supply chain technology so that you and I, when we 
consume, buy a fish in the grocery store, or we buy a plastic water bottle, we might actually have information right there to say, oh, this water bottle was 50% recycled or is made of 50% recycled content. But what's going to help a lot with that is going to be some of these new supply chain technologies. With an increasingly interconnected world, our communities and workplaces are becoming more diverse. For the past 15 years, Shan Sharma, who specializes in design thinking and business innovation, shares with us the importance of diversity and supportive environments to cultivate design thinking. Right, the third principle is diversity, making sure that you have diverse people in the organization to actually contribute to the various perspectives that you want in the discussion. So to actually have that happen, you have to have a conducive environment which brings all the components and the parts that you need. And uh, maybe if I'd explain it with the non-work life, <laughs> right, outside of work. So it's in the very basic terms, I will call it a supportive environment. So depending on people we surround ourselves with, we can either be a success in whatever we do reach the heights, or we might not even take the first step of whatever we wanted to do. So I just actually talked to a friend, interviewed a friend for my side project, and he has run Grand Slam Marathon, which is around seven continents around the world. He ran a marathon on seven continents and the North Pole, which is quite stunning. So I asked him what the challenges were, and he said, just because when I started, there were people that were telling me, oh, you sure you can do it? Oh, it's going to be really hard. You can, maybe you shouldn't. But he was like, you know, you know, you know something? I just stopped that, and I started surrounding myself with people who believed in me, who were supportive. And next thing you know, that he was just running marathons in different continents, different parts of the world, in Antarctica, in North Pole. So that's the conducive environment. So having that positivity around you, having that thinking, having people that believe in you, right? So it's, it's I think that's the key uh, success factor, that environment. Having the right environment could make or break a deal, <laughs> whatever that deal is. Stories shape our understanding of the world and compels us to take action. Rebecca Lim, who is the head of Our Better World, shares how a compelling story can bring about systemic change and have a large impact on society. This, as you know, has a special affinity to India. This is an Indian story that we told last year. It was, I think it was released in end of September last year. And this is of a social enterprise in Kampur called Fool. What they do is they take temple flowers that have been discarded into the rivers and they actually convert that, recycle that into incense, incense sticks. And what's important is that they employ women uh, who are marginalized, uh, who otherwise actually work as sanitation workers and manual scavengers. And so they are the so-called untouchables in society. What was really compelling in this story is not just the innovation of how they've done it, but more importantly is how lives get changed so fundamentally. The dignity that the women actually have gained from having proper employment and not just being able to earn, right? 
But more importantly, socially, they were able to relate with people of other castes as well as a result of this. So our story featured uh, one lady. Her name is Ranjana. They showed her life transformation through this uh, social enterprise. And Ranjana now enjoys a six-fold increase in her income. Now the benefit actually comes through in her family as well. Children now go to school. And in fact, on a wider spectrum, 60% of the women now earn higher wages than their husbands, giving them a say in actually household decisions and a factor that's seen to lessen domestic violence. And this is what brings about systemic change. So what had happened after we told this story was it really resonated not just with audiences in India, but beyond India. Because it was such a compelling story and it brought about over a 15-fold increase in visitors to Fool's website. And because the story was launched end of September, they actually sold out all their products online before Diwali that year. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, so the story was viewed more than uh, 1.7 million times, was shared over 9,700 times and was really, uh, we received a lot of comments, over a thousand comments. What was interesting is that we didn't call for volunteers, but it brought about over 1,800 volunteer inquiries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there were partnerships and opportunities that came out from there. That was just a huge encouragement for us. I hope you have enjoyed these memorable snippets from season five. Thank you again for the past two and a half years for your support and for journeying along with the show. I'm ever so grateful for this opportunity to share insights and learnings from these amazing people with you, my fellow listeners. This is the final episode of season five for the leaders of learning. Till the next time, wash your hands, remember to wear your face mask, check on each other while social distancing, Take care of yourself and loved ones. And remember to stay safe, everyone.